This is a reading from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 to 34, which is found on page 890 of your Bibles. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about, any, or, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the flower, the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek out all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Matthew. It's lovely to see you. Let me pray first as we, as we come to this part of God's Word. Uh, Father, we do want to thank you that you're a God who speaks, that you're a God who cares, and you're a God who provides. And Lord, I, I pray that as your Word is preached tonight, that your Spirit would take it and implant it deeply and change us. Uh, make us people who trust you more as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. I want to talk tonight about two issues, two issues which affect all of us, two issues that our world is shaped by, I think, today, two issues which seriously damage our own walk with Jesus. And the two issues are uh, consumerism and anxiety, or what I've called stuff and stress. You know, all the stuff that we gather in this world that we think will make us happy, but it never does. And all the stress and all the worries and all the anxieties that this stuff actually causes us. We live in a world of stuff. Our houses are full of stuff. The new gadgets, the technology, the wardrobe is full of clothes, the cupboard's full of books boxes and trinkets and treasures and stuff everywhere. 
And yet, you know, every day of the week you can go to Chatswood Chase and see more people buying more and more stuff. Our boys are just writing their Christmas list of all this more stuff to put into our already stuffed house. Knowing that by January most of it will be chucked out or broken or they'll be fighting over lost pieces. I, I was convicted this week that the hours that I've spent this year searching the internet to find the cheapest price for more stuff and then stressing when I found something cheaper after I already bought it somewhere else. And if we're Christians, we, we kind of live with this tension because we know what the Bible teaches about money and wealth and possessions. We know that Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We know that. But we live in this world and this culture that is saying the more stuff you have, the happier you'll be. And you, you kind of live with this tension. And the reality is often stuff wins. We live in a world of stuff and we live in a world of stress. One psychologist said this, that anxiety is now the official emotion of our age. The most pervasive psychological phenomena of our time. And that is true. Over the last 10 years there's been a quadrupled number of people with stress-related illnesses. I guess it's the complexity of modern life, you know, the increased pace of life, the increased rates of change, the greater demands on our time, the greater expectation. We suffer information overload, and we're just stressed. And again, I know that we know that the Bible says, don't worry, trust God, but actually, even just hearing that makes us feel guilty and more stressed. And with this passage tonight, Jesus is going to give us some profound words on what we do with our stuff and what we do with our stress. Let's look at our stuff. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So what is your treasure, he says? At verse 19, don't collect, don't store up, literally, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And we're supposed to imagine you know, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to your house tonight and opening your wardrobe and say, oh, wow, lots of clothes in that wardrobe for the moths to destroy. And pulling out the drawers, oh, lots of gadgets there, they're going to get a rust. Or bring out your jewels or your gems or your bank account and, oh, nice for the thieves to take those. That's the kind of thing he's saying is that this stuff, it, it's nice stuff. There's nothing wrong with good stuff. There's nothing wrong with nice stuff. Praise God if you've got nice stuff. As long as it's not your treasure. See that word in, in verse 19? Your treasure. A treasure is something that you, you live for, something that lo you long for, something that defines you. The stuff that you talk about all the time or, or, or the stuff that you envy that other people have got that you really want because if you had it, then you would be totally satisfied. That's a treasure. And Jesus says to us, you know, your treasure being your holidays or your gadgets or your latest kitchen or your health or your fitness or your family or your property, it's just stuff that you can't take with you. It's stuff, he says, that will be destroyed. It will not last. 
And you know the story of the, the wealthy man, the, the billionaire who died, and ev everyone wanted to know how much did he leave. And the answer was he left everything. They always do. And I love this quote. There are no pockets in a burial shroud. You can't take it with you. So what does Jesus say in verse 20? You don't collect treasures on earth, but you collect for yourselves treasures in heaven. When I was typing this sermon last night, I accidentally put treasurers in heaven. Treasurers in heaven. And, and word helpfully underlined that in red to say, that's wrong. It is wrong. There are no treasures in heaven. You don't need treasures in heaven. No offense here, Paul Martin. You don't need treasures in heaven because you can't have any stuff with you in heaven. So what is it, what's the treasures in heaven that he's talking about that will not be destroyed and will last for all eternity? What's, what's in heaven? Well, God is there and people are there. They are the treasures in heaven that you want to collect, isn't it? A deeper intimacy with God, a deeper relationship with God and people to be in heaven with you. Collect people who know and love Jesus. Collect people who are still walking with Jesus. Collect people who are wandering from their faith and you grab them back and take them to heaven with you. That's what you invest your time and your identity and your security in. God and people. They're your treasures. And they will not be destroyed. And then Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's saying there is that I, I can't see your heart. I, I, I really can't see what really makes you tick and what you get excited about. But I want to say, give me 10 minutes in your house or 15 minutes of your time, and I have a pretty good idea of what your treasure is, what you talk about, what you invest in, the things that make you happy. So be honest, what is your treasures? What defines you? What do you live for? What do you long for? Martin Lord Jones says this, I, I do not cling to the things of this world. They do not become the center of my life and my existence. I do not live for them or dwell upon them constantly in my mind. They don't absorb my life. On the contrary, I hold loosely to them. That's a good phrase. I hold loosely to them. I, I'm not governed by them. Rather, I govern them. And as I do this, I'm steadily securing and safely laying up for myself treasures in heaven. He says, take all the stuff of this world and just hold it loosely. Enjoy it. Of course you enjoy it. But you're not defined by it. And then he has a bizarre parable, verse 22. For the eye is a lamp of the body. The eye is like the, the window through which light comes into your body and shows me your soul. If the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. He's like saying it's like a window. The eye is like a window. And it, if your window is clean and clear, then the light shines through and lights up the whole, whole room. But do you know when you've had your windows clean? 
at home, if you do have your windows cleaned at home, and suddenly you go, oh, wow, this room is so light now. Or, or you have your car washed, and you go, wow, this windscreen is so clean, I can see. And Jesus is saying that our attitudes towards money is like whether you've got a clean windscreen or a dirty windscreen. It will show me your soul. I, I was helped this week by understanding that the word for good in verse 22 is the same word that's used for generous. That is helpful. Proverbs 11, 25, James 1 uses the same word that's translated here as good as the word generous. The same as in verse 23, that word bad is used in Proverbs 23 to mean ungenerous or stingy. That's the connection. It's saying your generosity with your stuff, your generosity with your possessions will be a window into your soul. If you're generous, then your whole body will be full of light. You'll be more like Christ. Your soul will be in a good spot. But if you're stingy, if you're reluctant to give, if you hold on to all this stuff and define yourself by it, your soul's in a bad spot. And I can give you countless examples of, of Christians who their soul is just so beautiful. And their love for Jesus is just so exquisite. And you get a window into their soul that their love for Jesus by what they give. I'm not just talking about financial giving to church. I'm talking about their attitude to their possessions, that they share stuff. Someone's in need, they give something. A friend of mine is, oh, I don't know what he is, a billionaire? He must be a billionaire. I, I've lost count of the number of properties he owns, but... If you saw the way that he held on to these properties, he, he's, he's always got a missionary family living in one of them. He's always renting out at zero rent to some Bible college students, another one. He's, always, he's built a house to support Christians in ministry to, as a retreat for them. And it's kind of like, wow, God has blessed me with so much, so how can I be generous? And I share that story because he's one of the most happy, peaceful, content man I've ever met in terms of his walk with Jesus. Money does not define him. Jesus defines him. And that's shown by his generosity. There's another family who are sitting in this room right now. And I know that you have much. But you are so generous with what you've got. And countless people have benefited from your generosity. And I know that your walk with Jesus is so peaceful and content and satisfying. So how is your soul tonight? I don't know the answer to that question, but you know. But your attitude to stuff and your attitude to money and possessions will be a window into your soul. See, we read verse 24 and we don't believe it. We read verse 24 and we think, oh, that's true, but, not, but it's not me. I can do both. Jesus says no one can be a slave of two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, look at that word, you cannot be slaves of God and of money. Jesus is very blunt. He says, you, you cannot do this. Money cannot define you. God should. You heard the, the story of the, the farmer whose cow gave birth to two calves. And he came home to his wife and said, oh, we've had two calves, uh, let's say a white one and a brown one. 
said, oh, we're going to keep one and we're going to give one to the Lord. His wife said, oh, which one are you going to give, the brown one or the white one to the Lord? Oh, I haven't decided yet. We'll, we'll wait a few months. And she kept asking, which, which cow are we going to give to the Lord? Oh, I haven't decided yet. We'll just wait a few months. And then one day he came home and said, oh, I've got terrible news. One of the cars has died. Oh, which one? The Lord's car, he said. The Lord's car. Oh, when did you decide which one were you going to give to the Lord? Oh, just this morning, actually, but it was the Lord's car for you to hide. And his wife said, oh, it's always the Lord's car, isn't it? And I share that because it's always the Lord who seems to miss out on our generosity. If we serve God with everything, if we seek to find security and identity in Him and not our stuff, then trust me, your soul, your soul will be satisfied. Let's talk about stress. Jesus says this, verse 25, don't worry about your life. But verse, th first, verse 33, seek his kingdom. And as soon as I say that, I'm, I'm totally aware that in this room tonight, there is a, a spectrum of people. There are people who are born worriers. There are people who get anxious about the little tiny details in life. They worry over everything. And there are other people here tonight who are so laid back, you're almost horizontal. And there's everything in between. And so when Jesus says, don't worry, for those of us who are worriers, we are even more worried when we walk out of church tonight than when we walked in. That's not the point. Jesus is not saying that you never worry about anything. Of course, there are things that we are concerned about. I, I, to be honest, I'm right now I am concerned about what happens to my marriage celibate license. And it's right that I'm concerned about that. Because I'm concerned for God's honor and God's name. But let's be honest that most of us don't have sleepless nights and stomach ulcers over stressing about God's honor and God's name. We have sleepless nights and stomach ulcers stressing about the, the worldly things. And Jesus says in verse 25, this is why I tell you, literally, therefore, now when you've stored up treasures in heaven and not on earth, then you don't worry about your life. When you've chosen to serve God and not money, it changes your attitude to life. You don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, because you've understood that that life is more than food and drink and clothing. Life is about a soul. Life is about being a child of God. And all the stuff of this world, food, drink, clothing, housing, yes, of course they're important, but God does provide. When he says don't worry in verse 25, he doesn't mean be careless. He means don't be preoccupied by them. The word for worry in verse 25, I love this, the word for worry is the same word that Jesus used to describe Martha. Remember her, the sister who got distracted because she was so busy? She didn't listen to Jesus because she was distracted by the concerns of food and drink. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't get distracted by all the stuff of the world. That you stop listening to God and stop focusing on God. Y your clothing and your food, 
does not define you. Although our world will say that it does. I was going to talk about going to buy a certain magazine, but actually I reckon that if you go to buy any magazine today, from cover to cover, this magazine will tell you that what defines you is what your body looks like, what shape your body is, what, you, what clothes you wear over your body, what food you put into your body. And it will say to be a certain type of person, to be happy, you need to have this body and wear these clothes and eat this type of food. And it is nonsense. Life is more important than food and bo the body more important than clothes, says Jesus. And then he says, know that your heavenly Father cares for you. The reason you don't worry is because God cares. And he encourages in verse 26 to become twitchers or bird watchers. I actually hate birds, but you know. He says, look at the birds of the sky. Look at the, the pigeons. Look at the seagulls. They don't sow or reap and gather into barns. When was the last time you saw a pigeon pushing a shopping trolley at Coles, stocking up for the month of December? They fly around in the sky, don't they? And God provides for them. We were down at Balmoral Beach last Saturday having fish and chips. You ever done that? Sat down at Balmoral with the fish and chips, what happens? The seagulls, <laughs> you are surrounded by seagulls, aren't you? And they are busy at work trying to get some food. You, know, you, you turn your back for one moment and they just swoop in and nab your fish and off they go. And Jesus is not saying, you know, sit around and say, well, God will provide, I need to work. They get busy working like the birds do. But look at verse 26. There's a word in verse 26 which I love. And if you didn't have a church Bible, I'd say underline it. Circle it. It's the word your in verse 26. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you got that? That God is not heavenly Father to the birds. Oh, He's their God, He's their Creator. He's their provider, but he's not their father. They're just birds. They're just pigeons or seagulls. But if you believe in Jesus, who are you tonight? You're a child of God. You're a son of God or you're a daughter of God. And God is a heavenly father who provides for you. And the point is that if he cares for the birds, how much more does he care for you? I love this poem, said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. See, what are we saying? What are we saying to the world when we stress and worry about our daily provision? What we're saying is that we pray the prayer, give us today our daily bread, but we don't really believe that God is a heavenly Father who will answer that prayer. If you trust in Jesus, my heavenly Father knows me and loves me and cares for me, it's the same for you. And if bird watching is not your cup of tea, look at the flowers. The flowers of the field, says Jesus. They don't labor or spin. 
got those beautiful, colourful, glorious flowers who are clothed in all these amazing different smells and different colours. And God provides for them. You know the irony that every day in Australia, millions of dollars are spent on flowers. How long do they last? A few days? And then you chuck them into the garbage. And Jesus said, if, if God closes the flowers which are destined for the garbage, won't he also clothe his children who are destined for, for glory? And that's why we shouldn't worry, because our Father knows and our Father cares. And our Father's in control. He is sovereign. He doesn't create a world and swan off and then put his feet up and then let us get on with it. He's in control of our life every day. Someone said, I know not what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. That is helpful. And Jesus says in verse 27, can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? Can you get taller by worrying? Another translation is, can you add any years to your life by worrying? Of course you're not. God determines when your life began, when your life will end, how tall you are. God's in control of everything. It's like the farmer who may have the best seed, the best crop, but unless God chooses to pour rain down on it, it's not going to grow. So as we sit here stressing about food and clothing and drink and shelter, we're really saying, God, you're not in control of my life because if you did, if you were, you'd know what I need. Of course he knows what you need. So why doesn't he give you? It is a reality, you know, when it comes to food, actually. There's more than enough food in this world to feed every single human being. It's just that many of us, and we're sitting here tonight, we're so wasteful. If you're here questioning God's care and you're questioning God's control, there's a phrase in verse 30 which is quite confronting. He says, you of little faith. He says, think about what you believe. Do you really believe that God is God and you are not? Do you really believe that you are a child of God and God is your heavenly father? Because if you did, then you seek his kingdom, verse 33. The idolaters run all this all after stuff like food and clothing and shelter, but your father, your heavenly father, knows that you need them, so seek first his kingdom. Think about God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. You may not get what you want, but God will give you exactly what you need to get through today. And it's supposed to be an illustration, you know, to the world. We're not like the idolaters. We are children of God. He says, don't worry, seek God's kingdom. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom? A few years ago, I used to do a lot of triathlons. And for those who knew me then, I kind of like ate, drank, and slept triathlons. You know, my diet changed. I thought about what I, what I bought at the supermarket and I, I was, what time I went to bed to get enough hours of sleep and what running shoes to wear and what rehydration things to drink before the race and after the race. It's kind of like 
my whole mind was, was seeking to triathlon. That's the kind of thing where your whole life is seeking God. You think about him, what's going to please him in, in every area of your life. And he goes before you and behind you. And you, he determines what you do on a, on a, on a weekday and on a, on a weekend. And you are concerned for his name to be honored. Hallowed be your name. So don't worry about tomorrow, First Jesus. Is it crazy to stress about tomorrow when you can be stressing about today? Let me ask you a question. Who of us here can remember exactly what we were stressed about exactly 12 months ago? Most of us can't. It was stressful at the time, but we're not stressing about today. And Jesus is saying, hand over your stress and hand over your worries to God. Because he's a father who cares. And he's a father who's in control. So two simple points, stuff and stress. Where's your treasure? And will you trust God? Let me pray. Father, we come to you tonight acknowledging that often we don't trust you. We don't cast all our anxieties on ca and cares onto you. Thank you, Father, that you are our Father, that you do love us, you do know us, you do provide for us exactly what we need. And make us a church, please, that is generous. A church that uh, takes the stuff that you generously give us and freely and wisely gives it to others. We ask that for Jesus' sake.